headings and subheadings and bullet points and sub-bullet points, and I have lists scribbled down everywhere over, over our home. And so that's how my mind works. That's kind of how I'm wired. Even this morning, is kind of centered around three naturally progressing questions. We have, what is a parable? Why did Jesus speak in parables? And how can we understand the parables? That's how I work. That's how I'm wired. But when we look at Jesus and we see how he taught, he didn't really teach that way. He never preached a three-point sermon on how to improve your relationship with God uh, or five tips on how to love your neighbor better. When we look at the Gospels, we see that Jesus was more of a storyteller. Sometimes he spoke directly, uh, but other times, one of his primary methods for teaching, particularly crowds, large groups of people, was through stories, through parables. And stories really capture the imagination. Everyone loves a good story, whether it's Lord of the Rings, whether it's the Chronicles of Narnia, the Hunger Games, Marvel, and DC. They enable us to implant some truth into a hypothetical or fictional story. And so if we love watching, listening, reading great stories in the epic novels of human history, then surely we should spend some time listening to and understanding the stories of the greatest teacher of all time. And that's the heart of this series, sitting at the feet of Jesus to listen to his stories, to listen to his parables. But Jesus wasn't the first person to use this type of teaching. This is how many Jewish rabbis, teachers, taught in the first century. They would teach using parables, using stories. And these parables would illustrate and illuminate their teachings. And so they would make a statement and then illustrate it with a parable and link, connect quite clearly how the two relate to one another. And so, for instance, in, in the Talmud, the a collection of Jewish writings, we find uh, written a story about an encounter between a philosopher and Rabbi Gamaliel. And this philosopher comes up to Rabbi Gamaliel and says, well, in your Torah, in the first five books of the Bible, it says that God is angry with worshipers of idols. Well, well, surely God should be angry at the idols because they're the ones that are receiving the worship that's, that's rightfully his. So why, why would he be angry at the worshipers? And Rabbi Gamaliel responds by saying, I will give you a parable. Uh, to what is the matter like? Well, it's like a king who has a son. A and this son goes out and finds a dog. And he names this dog after his father, the king. And so he goes around and, and he makes oaths and says, you know, in the name of my father, this dog, so let it be. When the king hears of it, with whom is he, is he angry, his son or the dog? Surely he's angry with his son. And the philosopher recognizes the point that Gamaliel is trying to make, that he's comparing the idol to a, a dog. And they debate back and forth, and Gamaliel uses parables. So parables are illustrations. Uh, they're stories. They hold people's attention. They're creative. They stick in people's minds. They clarify a teaching. Except that's not quite how Jesus used them. 
when we look at the Gospels, we actually see that he uses them somewhat differently than other teachers of his time. Sometimes he uses them like illustrations. So, for instance, when we look at the parable of the Good Samaritan, we see that Jesus gives this parable in response to someone asking him a question about loving their neighbor. And then to make the point, to illustrate who their neighbor is. However, many parables aren't simply illustrations. And so we think about the time that uh, John the Baptist's disciples come to Jesus and they ask him, well, you know, we fast and the Pharisees' disciples fast, but why don't your disciples fast? Why is that? And so Jesus says, well, how can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? And the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, and then they will fast. Okay, so that's kind of understandable. We, especially in hindsight, the position that we're at, we can see that Jesus is a bridegroom, his disciples, the guests, and, and Jesus is going to be taken as we see later on in the Gospels. But then he continues. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch will pull away from the garment, making the tear worse. Neither do people pour new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the, the skins will burst. The wine will run out and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins and both are preserved. Okay. Uh, and then we expect him to say, and in the same way, and then explain what he, he means. Clarify what he means. But he doesn't. He, that, that's it. He then goes off to heal someone. It's almost like Jesus is saying, here's some, you know, some, some housekeeping tips. It's really ambiguous. That's why sometimes it seems like Jesus' parables are more like riddles, almost. They're, they're detached from clear explanation, how most people use illustrations and stories. R. Kent Hughes, who's a, a pastor and professor, says, Parables are not clever short stories designed to attract the attention of sluggish minds or merely visual aids designed to illustrate a simple point. So what exactly are parables? Uh, and why did Jesus use them? And how can we understand them? Those are really our three questions this morning uh, to set us up for the next couple of months. And the passage that we're reading this morning ties in with these questions, and it comes just after Jesus has spoken a parable to a crowd of people. So why don't we read Matthew chapter 13, verses 10 to 17 together. And if you wouldn't mind, please stand with me as we read God's Word. This is the Word of the Lord, and if you remember only one thing today, remember this. Then the disciples came and said to him, Jesus, why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled. 
that says, you will indeed hear, but never understand. And you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see, and did not, and to hear what you hear, and did not hear it. Lord, we pray that this morning you would open our eyes, that we would hear what you have to say to us, to speak to us. We ask that we would submit to you, Lord, that we would listen to you, what you're speaking to us through here, that we would listen to your word, that you would give us understanding. So we pray that this morning, Lord. We thank you for your son, Jesus. Amen. Take a seat. So what is a parable? Uh, specifically, in the way that Jesus uses them. We haven't quite finished answering that question yet. Uh, some people have said that a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Or, or it's a simple story used to illustrate a moral or spiritual lesson. But as we've already seen, parables aren't always illustrations in that they don't clarify the way that we would expect them to. And they aren't always exactly stories, like the parable of the wineskins. That's why I think, as its foundation, a parable is simpler than that. It's a metaphor. It's a metaphor. It's a comparison. It's more than that, but it's not less. That's the foundation of what a parable is. There is something that Jesus has in mind, and instead of just stating it, he uses a story or some kind of example to give a point of comparison. And that's important to understanding why Jesus spoke in parables. Why did Jesus speak in parables? Well, in many of the parables that Jesus tells, he teaches about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is God's rule and reign, beginning in a new way with the arrival of Jesus and his ministry. In Jesus, a new eternal king of David has arrived. A new eternal kingdom is established, one where the forces of darkness won't prevail, where they'll be battled against and overcome, where the world and its value system is overturned. The last will be first, and the first will be last. The least, the greatest, and the greatest, the least in this kingdom, where the king is enthroned on a cross, crowned with thorns, and where his death brings life to many. This kingdom, which is already, but not yet, it's here, but it's not yet reached its final consummation until the king returns. Jesus often uses parables to describe, teach truths about this kingdom, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, as it's sometimes called. There's something about parables and metaphors that makes them suited to how Jesus wants to explain the kingdom. He says it's like a mustard seed, a tiny little seed, which then grows into a large tree. Uh, or it's like a, a treasure that's hidden in a field that someone comes across and then sells everything that they have 
to buy. Or, or it's like a merchant who finds a pearl of great value, who then goes and sells everything he owns to buy this precious pearl. Or it's like a net that catches all kinds of fish, and then the good fish and the separated are separate. The good fish and the bad fish are separated. Uh, Jesus wants to tell his hearers about this good new work that God is doing in the world. He wants you and me to know about the good work that he is doing. That sin and death in this world won't last forever. That the king is on his throne. That we need to repent, as Jesus says when he began his ministry. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. His call is to turn away from sin and to turn to the living God. And in his parables, he is teaching that it is worth giving up everything that we have in order to come into this kingdom. Everything that we have. That's the message Jesus was telling the crowds 2,000 years ago. And it's the same message that he has for every one of us today. And it's the message that we have to share with others as well. These parables teach us that we must never lose sight of the value of the kingdom. But Jesus also used parables for another reason. Because they both concealed and revealed as we said before, Jesus knew that by speaking in parables, without clear explanation, it had this dual effect. He didn't explain or clarify the meaning of the parables for the crowds. Some walked away more illuminated, and some even more confused or hardened. In the passage we just read it, Jesus says, "For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance but from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. How many of you here wear or have worn glasses before? Okay, a fair amount of us. Um, you may have noticed that I wear glasses myself as well. Actually, if you didn't notice that, you probably need to wear glasses. Just look, just look into that. But there are two types of people that need glasses. There are those who are short-sighted, and there are those who are long-sighted. And the glasses that improve the sight of the short-sighted person don't help the person who's long-sighted. They, they actually make their vision worse, more blurry. The parables are in some ways like glasses, in the same way that, that glasses will improve or worsen your vision depending on the condition of your eyes. Parables either improved or worsened Jesus' listeners understanding of the kingdom of God, depending on the condition of their heart. D.A. Carson, a New Testament scholar, says about this passage that Jesus tells parables in line with Scripture because in line with Scripture, his message blinds, deafens, and hardens. Speaking in parables is actually a form of, of judgment. That's why Jesus quotes Isaiah 6 here. Isaiah is describing the people of Israel during his time who had become so calloused towards God. And we even see throughout the Gospels that many people began rejecting Jesus and opposing him, which ended up with his execution. Isaiah says that they've become so calloused that they've closed their eyes. 
They have eyes, yes, but they choose not to see. And so God says, uh, okay, enough is enough. I'll speak to you in a way that's appropriate for your attitude. Carson continues, there are some audiences to whom you preach where the preaching of the word guarantees that they will not hear. Because I tell the truth, you do not believe me, Jesus says. Sometimes the truth itself elicits unbelief because people are so corrupt that the truth is repulsive. Have you ever encountered this before? I think of people like Richard Dawkins, the the famous atheist, who has heard the gospel clearly numerous occasions. And yet, as time goes on, it seems that he just becomes more hardened to and repulsed by Jesus. And we see it in the lives of some who grow up in the church, and then slowly over time they become more calloused and leave. Now thank God that His Spirit can and does miraculously soften even the hardest of hearts. But the challenge is heavy. We are either walking towards or or away from Jesus. Towards or, or away from life. There is no neutral position. There is no standing still. And it actually reminds us, points us to the final judgment when we will stand before God and give an account for for everything that we have done. But the parable is also revealed as, as well as concealed. Jesus tells the disciples that God has revealed to them the secrets of the kingdom. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly, I say to you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. This is true for us as well. Many prophets and righteous people longed to hear what we have heard, the good news about Jesus Christ, but didn't hear it. And later in the same chapter, Matthew tells us that Jesus spoke in parables to fulfill what the prophet said. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter what has been hidden since the foundation of the world. I will utter what has been hidden since the foundation of the world. Jesus spoke in parables to reveal secrets about the kingdom of God. For the first time in history, Jesus is sharing through parables mysteries about God's plan of salvation, his kingdom. There's a a Puritan quote which I think summarizes this concealing and revealing point quite well. And it goes that the same sun which melts the wax hardens the clay. The sun is the same and the glasses are the same. But the effect is different depending on the recipient. However, there's even a a flip side to the parables concealing and and revealing because it's clear from the Gospels that Jesus uses parables because they are understandable to everyone. That's why it says in Mark 4, 33, with many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them, the, the crowds, as much as they could understand, as much as they could understand. He spoke in parables so that the crowds could understand him. I think this is the best way to explain it. 
Spiritually, Jesus spoke in parables because by speaking in parables, their understanding was dependent upon their response to him. Those that were open to Jesus understood more about the kingdom of God. Those that rejected him understood even less about the kingdom of God. However, intellectually, Jesus spoke in parables because on the surface they are understandable to everyone. He's using stories and everyday language and situations, not abstract, complicated concepts, so only the most learned and intelligent people can understand him. He's using stories about farming and money and houses, things that everyone can comprehend, at least at some level. Jesus did not want to speak at a level that only the upper class, higher educated would understand. And that's still true today. I have a, a good friend with quite severe learning disabilities. And he has a real faith. And it's proof that God's grace seeks after old people. That's the kind of God that we worship. The kind of God that reveals to the lowest and the weakest. Not someone that, like the rest of the world, treats people dependent upon their ethnicity, class, or looks. No, he seeks after those whom others don't. Like myself. <laughs> like all of us here today, when we think about the diversity, what other place would such a diverse group of people come together? It's evidence of the grace of Jesus and his power to save all types of people and to bring them together. So the parables gave Jesus a way of speaking so that illumination was given to those with an open heart, not greater intellectual ability. For instance, even Jesus' enemies cognitively, intellectually, at some surface level, understood and were offended by some of Jesus' parables. For instance, in Luke it says, the teachers of the law and the chief priests looked for a way to arrest him immediately because they knew that he had spoken this parable against them. But they didn't accept it. They understood it, but they didn't accept it. They still rejected Jesus' message. However, at the same time, even those who were spiritually open to what Jesus was saying didn't always understand immediately what he meant. Liam Thatcher, who's a pastor, says that it's important to note that the disciples who Jesus says are blessed for seeing and hearing don't understand the parables in full. Later in the chapter, it says they come to Jesus and they ask for an explanation. So it seems that for Jesus, seeing, hearing, and understanding the message can't be simply cognitive. Because Jesus tells the disciples that they see and hear when clearly they haven't fully understood. There may be some of you sitting here today that feel like they haven't heard from God in a while. That they don't understand Scripture. 
This is the hope that Jesus says the disciples see and hear, even though at some level they don't understand. What happens is they seek after Jesus when that happens. They're not content with their lack of uh, understanding. And that's the hope that we have today. Seek and you will find. That if we want to understand and we seek, then Jesus will give us understanding. So we have cases where Jesus' enemies understand at some level his parables and, but still reject them. And other cases where even his own disciples don't understand to begin with. Here seems to be the point. The parables are invitations. They're like whispers. Jesus is saying, lean in. And there's really four possible reactions to a a whisper. The the first is that you you don't hear and you don't respond. Oh, I, I didn't hear what you said. And I really don't care. Or, or you do hear, but, but you don't respond. Yeah, I, I heard that you said lean in, but no. Or you don't hear, but, but you lean in. Sorry, what, what did you say? Or you do hear and, and you respond. I, I heard that you said lean in, so I will. This seems to be how Jesus' parables work at some level. They should pull us closer. So we lean in and we listen more carefully. They're not just simple little stories, as we've said. And so we can't expect them to be like that because some of these are confusing. Instead, they're an invitation to lean in more closely, to dig the riches of what Jesus is teaching. And that's one of the greatest challenges for for us here this morning and over the next couple of months. Will we lean in? Will we really stop, slow down in this period of of life and culture where we are overloaded with information? Will we slow down, lean in, and listen to what Jesus is saying? Or will we be content to to stand at the back of the crowd? To be distracted or or closed off? Finally, before we finish, our last question is, how can we understand the parables, practically speaking? Well, we could mention a a few things. First, there's the importance of, of cultural and historical knowledge, the time and the place. Jesus spoke in a very different time and place from our own. First century Israel is, is very different, if you hadn't noticed, from 21st century Canada. And so we see Jesus talking about things like wineskins and silver coins that we don't quite understand. So to fully understand and appreciate the meaning of these parables, we need to have a grasp of what these things are. And I'm certain that those who are going to be speaking over the next couple of months will draw these cultural and historical knowledge out. And so as we go through these parables, reread them over the following week and find a commentary or a study Bible to, to dig into them and read along with them. 
The second is, there's also the danger of over-spiritualizing details with parables. The early church bishop, Augustine, for all of the remarkable, incredible theological insights he had, he had a bit of a strange interpretation of the Good Samaritan, where each minute detail had theological significance. And so the man who was robbed was Adam, the first man. Uh, and the robber is the devil and demons. And Jerusalem represents the city of God that Adam walked away from. And Jericho represents our mortality, and so on and, and so forth. The problem is that metaphors, which at their root parables are, have limits. By their very nature, they break down at some point. They're not meant to be exact representatives. Otherwise, they wouldn't be metaphors. If I said that Lincoln is a lion, then there are limits to that comparison. You know, I'm, what I mean is he's bold and courageous. I don't mean that he has a, a tail, a mane, and uh, he goes around killing antelope with his bare hands and, and teeth. And so in the same way, the, the parables as metaphors shouldn't be pushed too far. Instead, what we should be asking is, what's the main point or the main points of the parable? Well, what's the main point of comparison that Jesus is trying to make here? And so those are some simple ways for how we understand parables. But lastly, there's the most important key to understanding the parables. The key to unlocking the parables. If there's one thing that unlocks the parables for us, it's this. And it's found in Mark chapter 4, which is the parallel with Matthew 13, which we were reading. And Jesus has just finished telling everyone about a parable about four types of soil. So a sower comes along and, and he throws seeds everywhere. Some fall on the path and birds come and snatch them up and eat them. Some fall on shallow ground and they, they grow up fast and then wither and die because they have no root. And some fall near thorns, and, and they grow up, and then they're choked by the thorns, and they wither and die as well. But lastly, some fall on good soil. They grow up fully, and then even multiply. And after this, the disciples come to Jesus, and they ask him what it means. They don't understand. He didn't say at the end, and this is what I mean by this. In the same way, isn't it true that? But this is his response to the disciples. Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? There's something about this parable that Jesus tells that makes it crucial to understanding all of his parables. And the parable is about our response to Jesus. At this point in his ministry, he's facing increasing opposition and so Jesus tells this parable about the types of soil to explain why people have different reactions. They're hearing the same thing, but they're responding differently. The sun and the glasses are the same, but the response, the effect is different. And so the challenge for us is, are we open to Jesus? Or, 
Or will we let the cares of the world, money, possessions, anxieties, push him out? That's the key to understanding the parables. Our heart attitude determines the effect the parables will have on us. Will they give us understanding and insight into the kingdom of God? Or will they darken our understanding even more? Jesus finished the parables of the parable of the sower and the types of soil with the words, he who has ears, let him hear. He's saying, listen, open your eyes. This is the key to unlocking the parables. It's what is our attitude, the same sun, which melts the wax, hardens the clay. Listen, open your eyes. And this is Jesus' message and invitation to us this morning, to you and I. He is speaking, and are we willing to listen? Are we going to lean in when he whispers? And will his message encounter acceptance or, or rejection? The kingdom of God is too precious, and Jesus' message is too important for us to, to give it anything less than our full attention and, and devotion. So that's the encouragement and the challenge that we have for the next couple of months as we hear about Jesus' parables and also whenever we read his word, day by day, as we open God's word, will we be open to what he has to teach us? Even if we, we don't like it, we'll be willing to submit to him, to listen to him, and to come with an open heart and an open mind. Let me pray. Blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. For truly, I say to you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see and did not see it and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you came, that you lived the perfect life that we can, that you suffered and that you died, that you took our sin upon yourself. That you would pay the ultimate price for us, Lord. We thank you that you have given us this message. For those here this morning that know and love you and follow you, Lord, we thank you. We thank you that you have blessed us, that we are blessed because our eyes see and our ears hear. So we thank you for that, Lord. And we pray for any of those here this morning who, who haven't made that step, that you would open their eyes, Lord, that you, the creator of heaven and earth, the all-powerful king, the reigning king, that you would display your miraculous power, that you would open hard hearts, that you would open closed eyes that you would unstop deaf ears and we pray all these things in Jesus name amen